Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Welcome. We are back. Block Talk is now up and running again. It's been a long two days. <laughs> so here's Wednesday, our new layout. It is Nutrition Matters with Beth. We talk about nutrition, but not just nutrition, how your mind and nutrition and your body and your mind are all one thing. Welcome, Beth. How are you? Hi, Mary. Thanks. I'm great today. I am actually on vacation. (laughs) Um, So I am doing this with a beautiful mountain view in North Carolina. Nice. That's the best part of what we do. Yes, I can take it anywhere. It's wonderful. So I know last week, right at the end of the show, um, we had gotten onto the topic of snacks and snacking. Yes. So I wanted to dive into more of that today because that's a question that I get all the time is what should I have for snacks? Um, and it, they really should be planned out just like meals, right? If we're eating as we should be and eating about every three to four hours, you're going to end up with at least one snack during the day. But I know like for myself with children, I'm always planning out their snacks and I know how long they can make it before they're going to need to eat again. But then I feel like as adults, we forget that we're just like children and need to eat regularly, right? We don't need to like force ourselves to like make it until we get back to the house or to where we're going or something like that, that we should be packing snacks for ourselves too. You know, you just brought up a good point or an interesting point because, you know, everyone's talking about fasting and how you're supposed to go all these periods of time without eating. And I never understood it personally. They don't have self-control like that. But for me, too, physically, if I don't eat, I get sick. Like, I'll get that migraine and I'm done. And that's, so I'm, you know, there are, go ahead. I was going to say, go ahead. Oh, 
there are certain people that do really, really well with fasting, um, but they are few and far between. And with eating on a, a regular basis, right, like every three to four hours, but then stopping your food intake about an hour before you go to bed, if you're getting an adequate amount of sleep, so like eight hours of sleep, you're getting in a very solid fasting time anyway, where, um, you know, and there is, there is benefit to that fasting period and allowing your bowel to rest and not be working. Um, but you're getting that if you're doing, if you're stopping your, your intake, so eating an hour before you go to bed and then getting an adequate amount of sleep. But if you're somebody who's only sleeping like four hours a night, and eating right up until you're physically getting into your bed, then you're not allowing yourself that. So I guess if you wanted to, you could kind of twist it in terms of like, if you are following a general healthy eating pattern, you're giving yourself some fasting time, right? That's, that's why we call it breakfast, is that you're breaking that fast of... I have noticed if you, like for me and my kids, if we snack during the day, which was a hard habit to explain to my husband, it's okay for them to snack. They're still going to eat dinner. But you're not as hungry during the night. Yeah, if you're eating adequately throughout the day, you're not going to have that, like, crazy hunger come evening time, right? It's not It's not actually, like, a witching hour where suddenly you're hungry. It's it's really that your body is looking for the additional fuel that you haven't given it all day. Um, and, yeah, kids are different. They absolutely – they have little tummies. They need to eat more frequently. Uh, they need a lot more food because they're growing, but they don't have the, the tummy capacity to eat that much in one sitting, so they end up snacking all day. I know for mine, like, I do tell them no to snack if I'm – actively cooking dinner I'll be like you gotta wait like you're gonna eat in 10 minutes you are not gonna die in those 10 minutes but anytime before that I really leave it very open and they they end up eating very intuitively of like okay my stomach is hungry therefore I'm going to get food it's not it it, it limits them like seeking out food and like hiding it or anything like that And you did bring that's a really good point. Because like I know I went and bought a shoe rack, those ones that you hang on your closet rack. I just literally yep. threw it to my wall, and literally all their snacks are in there. So if they're hungry, they can go grab a granola bar or you know limited diet. So I don't care what they eat. I just want them to eat. Right. So I have chips, and I get so, yelled at by people all the time for it because it's not all healthy food. But I personally believe if you teach kids to eat healthy and not restrict it to the point that they can only have healthy food, they're going to learn to make those choices. It's, it life. is very much like an offer, like what you're offering, right? And this is, again, for like children without special needs or sensory and texture issues, but what you offer definitely makes a huge difference because if they're hungry, they're going to eat something. And um, so like we have a snack cabinet, right? Where 
their snacks live. And so we have we have um, chips in there, which they sometimes go for. I typically go for like a baked chip, like Doritos, instead of like a a fried potato chip. Um, but then we also have like snack packs of olives. So it's not that the cabinet's low fat; it's that I've I've manipulated what they're choosing as the fat source. So if they're looking for something fatty and salty, they're going for olives instead of a potato chip. Um, so they're getting they're getting a good fat from it. Uh, what else do we keep in there? They they love Slim Jims, <laughs> which like gives me heartburn to even think about. But it's not necessarily a bad choice. It's just a high fat meat. Uh, so we do have those in there. Um, fruit snacks. I keep fruit snacks in there, but they are pureed fruit shaped into like gummy shapes. Um, and those have actually been really, really hard to find lately. And the only place I can find them right now is Walmart. Yep. And um, is a good brand too. That's all natural fruit shape into a gummy that's real fruit. Yeah, they just tend to be more expensive. Yeah. Yes, it's definitely an option. I usually, I try my best to make recommendations that are also super budget friendly um, because, yes, there are people that can afford to pick up whatever they want at the grocery store, but there's also the vast majority, especially I feel like more so recently as food gets more expensive, that they have to be very careful with what they're choosing and walk that balance between what's cheap and what's a good choice. That is so true. I know, like, with me, our house, one, burritos are my son's favorite snack right now. But, like, I'll go and plan it out. So, like, once a month when I get my big paycheck, I buy all their snacks for the month of the garbage snacks, or what I call garbage, the granola bars, the fruit snacks, the non-perishable. And then in the fridge, we have the fruits, strawberries, the watermelons that I buy once a week, different things to keep my kids happy. My daughter, her mindset is literally the produce aisle is her treat. Wonderful. That's, I'm trying to think of what else we keep in that cabinet. We keep um, peanut butter. So some of it is definitely um, convenience type things, right? Like we have prepackaged peanut butter crackers so that could I make them myself? Yes. But I'm trying to foster independence, right, so that they can get their own snack when they're feeling hungry. So that allows them to make that choice without me. And I can only do so much, right? So as one person, it's nice to not have the full burden of food prep fall onto me. They're also something that we can pack and take with us. Um, And that's something that comes up with snacks often too, is like you might be looking for a snack when you're not home. So what have you packed to take with you? Um, the example that always comes to my mind is like if you're running errands on the weekend, 
how long are you going to be gone? If you're gone for like four hours, you're going to probably need something to eat while you're out. And have you made a plan to either bring something with you or do you know there's somewhere along the way that you're going to stop and get something that's going to fuel you appropriately so that you don't feel like crap after you eat it? And what we did in our house for that exact reason is we have a little tote. They're like $2 at Walmart. And it's snack tote. So every week we'll put a bunch of different snacks in there and it sits in the car. We're out unplanned. We always have something for them to munch on in the car. Yeah. Yep. And so we always think about what to do for the kids, right? And then making sure that you also apply it to yourself and bring either know that you're going to eat those kids snacks or bring grown up snacks too. So like I know I'll eat the kids peanut butter crackers or those fruit snacks or like the applesauce pouches. Um, but then I know that as an adult, my protein needs are higher. So I also pack protein bars. Um, to bring with me as well so that I can I can get that in that the kids don't necessarily need quite as much protein but I as an adult have that increased need I mean you can meet that a bunch of different ways especially with packed snacks um, but I personally usually go for like sweet snacks so, so a protein bar is a sweet protein option What is your opinion on, like, trail mix? Oh, so trail mix is is good if it's done well, um, right? Like, if you've got – and it depends why you're using it. it it's originally intent – its original intent was for, like, people going on hikes that need something that's very calorie-dense with some quick burning sugar, some longer lasting carbs, as well as a little bit of protein and a little bit of fat. So that's why typically with trail mix, you see like M&Ms, right? Or some kind of like candy mixed with um, nuts and fruit. Um, it's, that's not what like you need for going out and running errands. Um, you would need maybe the, and what I usually suggest is just the dried fruit and the nuts, and then also watching the portion size, right? So, um, so it, a serving would be a quarter cup of whatever dried fruit you're using, and then a quarter cup of nuts. And then, of course, there's all different things that you want to look at within there. Um, you want to make sure that the dried fruit isn't coated in sugar. Um, so, like, a great example would be, like, dried pineapple usually has a sugar coating around the outside. Delicious, but not what you're really looking for. Like, then it almost becomes a dessert rather than a fruit. Um, and then the nuts, it generally doesn't really matter. But if you're somebody that has, like, hypertension or is concerned with, like, water retention and your um, your heart health, you'd look for something that 
is unsalted. So, but generally speaking, quarter cup of whatever nuts you'll actually eat and a quarter cup of whatever dried fruit you'll actually eat is plenty for a snack. You know, like what we do is we buy the the trail mix and the nuts come in like single serving packets. Oh yeah. Cool. I've been doing that just so it's easier to keep track of and then you don't have to worry about pre-portioning it. Um, that's one of those things where, yes, it's a quote-unquote convenience food, but it's it's a good benefit. Like, there's a good reason that it's convenient. That way you can just pick it up, you know you've made a good choice, and you're out the door. You know, I know some adults who don't keep like a snack cabinet because they don't have children. But what they do is they keep like a clear bowl near their front door with it with, um, with either like those prepackaged like one ounce serving of nuts or protein bars or like um, whatever else they particularly like for grab and go type snacks to bring out the door with them. And then that way they see it as they're leaving and remember to grab something. Good idea. Yeah, it's that's something that I love working through too is I can tell somebody until I'm blue in the face of exactly what they should be eating, but then developing essentially like a strategy and structure for how to get it in um, it makes all the difference in whether or not they follow through, right? Like I, I can sit here and tell you that you're, I would love to see more of your fat intake come from all of the nuts, but then it's like, okay, well, how do I do that? How do I make sure I get them in? Um, or like, hey, you shouldn't be skipping a meal. You need a snack every day at three. Like, that's cool, but how do I make sure that happens? And so it's, it's cool to be able to work through with somebody and see them really change their habits um, and then feel better because they've made little changes to what they're doing with their life. Right. And even just taking those snack packets and just putting them in like the dish where your keys are. So when you grab your keys, you're grabbing yep. them at the same time. Yeah. Like it's super simple. comes down to like, a, Oh, well, why didn't I think of that? And it's like, well, cause you don't talk about it all day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, go ahead. Oh, so snacking, um, I feel like we've talked a lot about like planned snacks, right? And there's so much that comes in that's like the unplanned snacking. Um, so one of the other things is looking at like why we're doing it because a lot of times we're reaching for a snack and it's not out of hunger, there is a large, like, emotional component and, like, comfort-seeking component to snacking. So what I find is that one of the first questions I ask is, like, well, why, why did you pick that up to eat? Like, what's, what's the reason? Were you physically hungry or did it just sound good? 
because we do reach for food as a comfort very often. So for some people, having those snacks out of the way is much more important, um, right? They, they need it to not be in their line of sight because if it is, they're going to just keep going back for more and more and more when they're not actually hungry. For me, for instance, even my kids, well, my daughter more than anything, we eat to get bored. It's like something to do. Yep. Yeah, there's yeah. Um, typically it's because we're, it's some sort of negative emotion, right? Like sad, um, or it's been like a super high stress day at work or at school. Um, boredom is another one of, oh, well, it's, it, right, like you said, it's something to do. Um, or, yeah, that's usually, usually the two big ones is boredom or that like negative feeling, sadness, um, stressed out. And there is, I wish I could remember where I was reading this. There is like a component to chewing something crunchy that helps relieve some of that stress. It doesn't mean that it's like a good choice, but it's still, it's an interest. So then if you find that you're somebody that looks for a snack when you're stressed, particularly something like crunchy, like chips, you could try getting like carrot chips at the store. So in the produce section, it's they're carrots, but they're sliced into like rounds, like medallions basically. And you can try substituting that as you work on the behavior change of not doing it at all. Um, but this leans into a lot of you have to recognize those feelings and address them when you see that you're reaching for food when you're not hungry, which can get very uncomfortable. Um, the big reason why you, um, it's crunchy or something that's a, like a taffy or something that's harder to chew, when you crave that when you're stressed out, it's to help actually relieve the muscles in your jaw and in your face. Facial muscles are actually the first and one of the last to tighten, which is why your tone will get harsher and deeper. It's, I work with the, the parents a lot with this because um, sens sensory people will notice it more. And so when you, like, you'll see me wiggle my jaw a lot. And it's just to loosen those muscles to soften your tone. So if you notice your face, oh, start loosening your muscles in your face because it'll actually soften your tone up. Oh. I'm going to have to try that. You'll notice I know there's definitely here. times where like my kids are like, mom, are you angry? And I'm like, no, I'm not. But I wonder if it's like that my, that I'm tense and they can hear it. Yep. Oh. And the, you look in the mirror, you'll actually see like your muscles will tighten your face. You'll look crabby. Or my kids call it crabby. <laughs> I like that. I, uh, I yeah, that's it. something that I definitely have to work, work on is I know that I hold a lot of tension in my jaw um, to the point I actually don't like to eat things that are very crunchy because it makes my jaw tired. 
base of your shoulders and your neck are the first to tighten and the last to loosen up. Well, they need to learn to loosen up, that's for sure. <laughs> it's um, The other thing we crave a lot of um, during stress are things like chocolate, very specifically, uh, and that's because of the magnesium content. So a lot of times when I have people that um, – you like eat chocolate midway through their day at work to like, and they feel like they need it to get through the rest of the day and things like that. That's when I'll usually recommend that we increase the magnesium rich foods they're eating throughout the day. And even sometimes we'll add a magnesium supplement uh, because that's one of the first minerals that starts to get depleted when we're like living at that high stress level continuously. I didn't know chocolate had high levels of magnesium. That oh, yeah. <laughs> well, my son used to take a melatonin with a magnesium in it, and now he says he doesn't need it and refuses to take it, so I haven't been forcing him to take it. But he's been on a chocolate kick body is trying to find that magnesium again. Yep. It's, um, yeah, so he needs it without even knowing it. Magnesium does a lot of really cool things. Um, it can help with migraines, too. Uh, it kind of depends, like, why you're getting them and things like that. But I know um, I know a lot of people that use magnesium for migraine prevention and that's actually what the neurologist had recommended for my son when he started getting migraines uh i think he was probably he was like five or six when i started so not only did it help with his migraines but then he also stopped having constipation issues <laughs> because my yeah. uh migraine because magnesium it can uh if you take too much it's a laxative but just a little bit of it Helps with the bowel regu- regularity too. Now everything's starting to make sense. It all adds up, right? <laughs> it does because he he gets headaches, and for the longest time he didn't, and it's really weird because um, we bought. I tried to go completely natural, no pain relievers for simple things, and so I bought those cool patches that you put on like their forehead or their neck when they got a headache, so it'll help loosen like an ice pack. Oh, yeah, yeah. He ended up with some reaction to it, and basically now when he gets a headache, those muscles on his forehead get really tight, and it'll actually deform his forehead a little bit. We call it the Frankenstein look. Oh, no. Our telltale sign for us to know he had a headache because we couldn't quite explain that. And so um, when we stopped the melatonin, his headaches were coming back. So all the magnesium in it was probably helping. Yeah. Now he's got to force him to take it again. Well, I mean, maybe force isn't the right word. There's other ways that you, I'm sure you can convince him. Like, There's no convincing. I He won't even, unless he is like, his head's going to blow up, he won't take after. He won't take. Oh, geez. 
and gotten to the smart to the point that like I I will buy that powder calm stuff, which is full of magnesium. That's what I typically recommend, and that's actually what I use. Yeah. And I will put a little bit in his pop or in a bottle of water or something that he's going to drink. So he knows now that if mom offers him a drink, there's something wrong with it. (laughs) It's been tampered with. (laughs) It is. He goes, he hands it to me and makes me drink it first. So then I drink it, but he can tell that it's still not quite right. That's yeah. You'll have to find a good way to sneak it in. Like wait till he asks for a drink and then <laughs> turn around, and shove some powder in it. Oh no! I, Mom tried that one. He watches like a hawk. That oh wow. does not leave his view. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's choosing to suffer. Then it is, and it. It's just it's hilarious because it's like, how do you outsmart the smart when they think like you? They're your kids. They think and do what you do, and they know you how you think. Yeah, and it's you know, I don't know. I and I know my children are different, right? Because they're not dealing with quite the same issues. But for my eight-year-old, now it's come down to like I, I tell him right when he's acting out, I'm like, you're currently you're choosing to be miserable. You're choosing to make everybody around you miserable, and you're choosing to not fix it. And that usually, like, stops him in his track. I know this has nothing to do with food now. Um, But that usually, like, kind of stops him in his tracks and gives him the power back of, like, I, like, you know, I am in control of, like, the vibe of the situation um, or at least contributing to it. Um, And I know that that's done wonders for him because, yeah, it is, it's, it's very interesting to see myself in, my children and um and know that they react a lot of the same ways I would react to things which is you know for better or for worse I suppose you get a laugh and I we call it the grandmother's curse in our house because you remember back in your mom when you did something when you were a kid especially in your teenage years and your mom would always say well I hope you have a kid just like you when you grow up or you're gonna have one just like you when you grow up you're that bad until you have to live with yourself in duplicate? It's, I see it as, and I mean, my parents were wonderful, um, but I do see it as my chance to like re like parent myself and change what I would have liked to have seen done differently. Like retrospectively, I'm like, well, now it's my chance to do those things for my child um, so it's definitely, it's interesting. It's an it interesting is. journey to parent. And it's fun. Uh, I, it, it really is. It is. And I love, I love watching them grow. Um, it's just, it's very interesting for sure. But it is like drawing it back to food and snacking, like, even the way I run things with them for food and snacks is different than what my parents did, right? Like if it was within an hour of dinner, I would be told like, no, it's too close to dinner. You're not allowed to have a snack versus like I said, I, that you can snack up until I'm physically cooking. And then it's, it's, 
time to stop and wait till dinner. But I give them a lot of free reign with that because I do want them to learn to listen to their bodies and learn when they're hungry to honor that and feed yourself. And then my job as the adult is, you know, what is around and provided that they can snack on and guiding their choices that way. Um, The complete other end of the spectrum too, I was just talking to somebody um, about some issues they're dealing with. Uh, It's a school situation dealing with like hoarding food. Um, So that's another issue that typically is is also not hunger based, right? That's more of a food security and operating from like a place of fear, which can happen in adults as well. And a lot of times, as adults, it happens because of not having that, being a very restrictive or not having that food available to you. But I'm hearing it's getting a lot worse in schools as they've regulated to the letter of what snacks and what you can eat in school. It's yeah, this this one's an interesting situation because it's not um they're offering additional snacks and things and there's still food hoarding. But generally I feel like school school meals are just just a misunderstood beast. Um that definitely is a little bit antiquated and, and needs some serious updating. But, um, you know, school meals were originally um, instituted because men were too underweight to go to war um, mm-hmm. when they were being drafted. So the school lunch program, National School Lunch Program, was developed to increase the calorie intake of children, specifically male children, across America. Um, so they were not, no longer underweight. So it's, if you think about it, I mean, it's definitely serving its purpose. It is. You know, what the flip side is, yeah. is, you know, especially in schools, we're taking away their time to exercise. So even yeah. when you get to act, you get the good food that you need or you should have for a child to stay awake and function in school, you're not letting them exercise to burn off some of that extra. Yeah, and that's, especially at the younger grades, it's so important for them to be able to get up and move around. Um, you know, it's hard to expect a young child to sit at a desk all day. But there, there is a balance, and there's certainly work to be done there, but... I do think that snacks are certainly an important component um, and and schools present an interesting challenge too of, okay, well, if you're supposed to pack your snack and bring it with you, but not everybody can necessarily like has food at home to bring a snack, you start to see like disparities in the school system of who's got enough fuel to feel full and pay attention while they're supposed to be learning. Mary, this country boy, I'll jump in right there. Hi, country. How you guys doing? 
I enjoy hey, listening you? to you guys talk. Great, great. But see, again, I always love hearing things from a woman's perspective, but when you ask the man and a woman, it's kind of like a he-man, she-man kind of questionnaire kind of thing. And again, with me watching a mom raise seven kids by herself, I remember those sack lunch days. Y'all remember the little brown sack lunch, and if you was lucky enough, you might get a snoopy little metal lunch box. But 80 to 90% of the time, it was a peanut butter sandwich or a pimento cheese sandwich or a bologna sandwich. And again, when we start talking about the different cultures and the different school systems and what you can bring in and what you can't bring in, and then they start giving you crazy rules like don't bring no candy unless you got enough for the whole class, the same thing. Don't eat your apple in front of everybody. If you don't have enough for everybody, and then there's at least 86 schools that I know of in the, here in the state of Georgia that did away with PE. PE was like what made me want to go to math class. If I could flirt with you, Mary, on the playground, I was fine that after going outside having a little playtime. But when they start to take away exercise and sunshine and the things that the children need, that's when you get a chance to get little John John to do some interacting with some kids while they're playing, but not while he's in English class because he gets in trouble if he's talking while the teacher's talking. So, again, there's so many things that we could talk about. And then, Mary, you guys talk about being moms. Y'all just happen to have that special, 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 did I say that enough times? DNA connection to your children to where, you know, faith does coming from hearing, but from the spiritual side on what I understand now, it's an emotional thing. And, Mary, Dante even mentioned you. I can't even talk about you with the regular parents because you have children that have superpowers. They don't think like regular people. They don't think like you. They don't think like your husband. they got a mind of their own, and you have to figure out how to pay child psychology with your children every day and get them to eat their veggies and sneak it in their smoothies. And I heard you say, Mary, if I offer my son something to drink, he knows something's up. So I'm just loving it, but I'm going to just kind of coach right there because, again, the reason we're having these conversations because a lot of other people out there, a lot of our other listeners are listening with problems. I won't call them problem children, okay? We won't call everybody has the power to have special children, but we are talking about children our next generation. If we don't teach them and show them good eating habits and get them the vitamins and the minerals that their little bodies need so their brains can develop the way, that's the responsibility of the parents. Last one, when I was raised, whatever we had for dinner is what you had for dinner. There wasn't no choice like you was on a buffet line every night, and I don't like that. Get hungry enough, and you'll eat what the parents put in front of you. So if the parents have bad eating habits, Oh, I'm not going to point no fingers. I'm going to push the pause button. Thank you for that. So, actually, I had pimento cheese for the first time yesterday. Um, That was – it was – I used it – so I didn't eat it just as a plain pimento cheese sandwich. I mixed it with some turkey, so I used it as, like, the spread in my sandwich, and it was really good. Um, But that was a first for me. And then in terms of um, parents modeling the behaviors for their children, it is 
unbelievably important because they do watch what you're doing and they're looking at you saying, okay, that's what it's like when I'm an adult, right? And so if you are also packing yourself a snack, also making sure you're fed, they're seeing, okay, when I'm an adult, I'm in charge of taking care of my body and making sure that I'm feeding it appropriately and making sure that I have snacks too, not just the children or the people around me. So they do see that and, and internalize it or like, um, you know, adults that have like the adult snacks, quote unquote, that are maybe like the, the higher sugar things that they don't want the kids to eat. The kids are internalizing, okay, I can't have that now as a kid. But once I'm an adult, I can eat all that sugar and it's fine, which is quite untrue. So they do see what you're modeling, not only in terms of what they're allowed to have now, but also what they can do as an adult and what adults, like, quote, unquote, should be doing. Um, so we are the – we are certainly the examples and – have a great opportunity to mold and shape the people that are watching us. You know, as you're saying that, what comes to mind is, remember the old Partridge Farm commercial for the Milano cookies when mom's hiding in the bathroom, shoving them in, and the kids are pounding on the yeah. door? <laughs> okay, now here comes that man perspective again. Larry, you know, I love children. My son, Bryson, uh, Brian was actually cooking by the time he was three with a gas burner stove would be standing there right next to him. By the time he's five, he could feed you a full-course breakfast with butter and toast. But what happens, too, in the process, it might burn a little extra time, you guys, by allowing them to assist you. I found out that my sons never grew up saying, Daddy, I don't like that. Why? You the one fixed it. What do you mean? What do you don't like about it? They couldn't tell me. So it didn't care if I was steaming broccoli tonight and I let them break the little broccoli down to smaller pieces or what I gave them the little colander and let them be the one that rinses it and rinses it. Did you rinse it good? Did you rinse it on over? Did you wash behind their ears? You know, and make it a fun meal versus I didn't like it this way. You remember we talked about carrots the other day? I was one of those people that didn't like carrots because I remember the first time I had carrots, somebody gave it to me and it was cooked. It was all mushy. <laughs> I don't like mushy food. The baby food, I don't like mushy food. I like applesauce. But I like apples better. So, again, being able to get the people involved, excuse my friends, I'll throw a curveball for you men listening. Husbands will even appreciate dinner a lot more if they're the ones that have to help prepare it and not just, <laughs> what's for dinner? <laughs> Back to you, Beth. Yeah, that. <laughs> That gets into some stuff for sure. <laughs> um, but keeping it to children, um, getting them involved in food food prep um, or even food procurement, so like grocery shopping, right, um, or planning out the meals for the week helps to limit how much they're going to push back once it does come to mealtime. So it's, it's great at any age to start getting them involved. Um, you know, in a safe way, like you were saying, country, how you were right next to your son while, while he was cooking. Um, 
But yeah, absolutely. Getting them involved makes a huge difference. And then, and it also prevent like food waste too. If you know, um, if you know they're going to eat it, uh, and you're not going to just be stuck with a whole bunch of leftovers that they didn't eat. Particularly in my house, we have like one alternate option, right? So if you're not going to eat dinner, you can have a yogurt <laughs> or be hungry. But I find that having like one easy option where I don't even have to prepare it, you can just go get yourself a yogurt, has limited a lot of of issues as well. Okay, how about how, how about this, Beth? Okay, David, mm-hmm. if you make a happy plate, you can have your favorite. Y'all hear that word? Dessert. This reward program used to work with me all the time, every time because I enjoyed dessert so much and I was willing to eat all my corn and eat all my beans and eat all. And see, my granddaddy was one of those people where we got a chance to put whatever amount of food we wanted on our plate, and we was responsible for not wasting the food. So if you want one spoon of that and one spoon of that and two spoons of mashed potatoes and some extra broccoli and all that kind of good old stuff, and again, participation but not having dinner time and everybody says, oh, I want his spaghetti and I want his chicken and you're eating over here and they're eating over there and he's playing with his phone while she's supposed to be passing the potatoes. Again, those rules and guidelines, and it's going to vary in every single household. And then, again, the manners that come along with it, please, y'all remember that word? They forgot to put that on the menu. So thank you and please Forever, whatever you're serving, broccoli, ice cream, jello, it should start with thank you and please. Please and thank you. Doesn't matter whether you put one before the other, but they should exist in a good meal. <laughs> it's um and this is definitely I just made a note for myself that I think that we're gonna touch on some of this next week too, is like that the food reward system that absolutely needs to go, right? You don't earn food um food is there for you rather than being something that you and it's something that's very ingrained in our society and our culture of like oh well you ate a great dinner you get dessert or you did great on this report card you get ice cream or whatever it might be right like you won your baseball game you get ice cream and it's not food really shouldn't be the reward um, because you don't earn the right to eat, right? You always have that and you always need to eat. You don't have to wait until you deserve it. All right, quick question for you. Would you consider like, going to McDonald's or going to a restaurant as a reward bad or is that a little bit different? So nuanced. I get like, I, I think that offering the choice of like, Hey, if we do this, you can get to pick where we have dinner. um, Or you can pick between these, certain options, right? So your kid's not suddenly picking out, like, the most expensive steakhouse in the town. Um, 
So I think that that, personally, I would say that that falls outside of offering food as a reward because what you're offering is the choice, right? Um, I, I personally would think that that falls outside of the food as reward, right? You're not saying like, hey, if you do X, Y, and Z, you're going to get whatever, like candy or something, right? Or like a cookie. You're literally going to throw how therapy is used, especially in autism, upside down, because that's what I've been saying for years. Because a part of ABA therapy is what it is, is it's basically they get a treat for obeying commands speaking on command, doing what you want them to do. And most often the reward is like M&M's or sucker or some form of candy. Yeah. Part of the reason I don't believe in it, the other part is I believe children it, need to think for themselves and be taught to think um, for themselves and uh, just obey commands. Okay, here comes, here comes a man's point of view again now. Are we talking about parents raising the children or children raising the parents because I see a lot of things that happens now that wouldn't have been tolerated, period, was coming through my era. And please understand me when I'm speaking. I didn't get stuck in the Old Testament on how you raise children. But I do understand about sharing and caring. And when you sit out in a house with 17 people at dinner time, just please understand there's a time, 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 for every purpose under heaven, and dinner time was family. Did y'all hear that word? Family time. Mary, how did your day go at school today? Oh, country, did you have make any new friends on the playground? Did you meet anybody while you was playing? This was the time for you to tell what went on, how your day was going, did you get bullied? Did you learn how to tie your shoe yet? And please, when I ask you this question, Mary and Beth, what did you learn new? That goes an adjective. I've pointed out to you. It's an adjective. What did you learn new today? So you're supposed to come out of your mouth, because it's your turn to speak at dinner time, how your day was went. Did anybody bother you? Did you get a chance to watch this, Mary? Watch this, Mary. Be kind. Why do you think we're launching an international kindness campaign? Because we don't allow the kids to tell you what they like, what their favorite dessert is, what their favorite food is. Can I help you? Can I not help you? There's an interview of questions going on, but I think, oh, here goes one, and I'll stop again. To be or not to be, is that a question or is that the answer to the questions? Are we to be parents to the children are we going to be, yeah, we're going to allow a child to think of the child when they're not even supposed to be able to make those kind of decisions. Parents are supposed to be able to know their children, whether they're seen or unseen, and give them food, water, and shelter. Yeah, it shouldn't be offered as a food, but it should be respected as a food that is something that not just comes for granted. When I grow up in the evening time, if my granddaddy turned the news on, the first thing that they showed us in Hush Again, was the little kids in the world that were starving and didn't have nothing 
to eat and you want to throw a question mark on my granddaddy's table on whether you're going to eat your green beans or not, okay. But you don't get an alternative. You can have yogurt later. You just get, when you get ready to eat, come and holler at your boy. Back to you, Mary. Mary? Yes, sir. Hi, Bob. How are you feeling? Yeah, it's, I'm doing good, thank you. I'm I'm recovering quickly. Anyway, um, I just think that's a, that's a great program that you have on today and a, a great guests that you have and, and covering something that's so very important to all of us, not just our children, but all of us, as adults, children, everybody. Um, and and um, <clears throat> I think that um, one of the things I wanted to, to mention is that um, our, our children learn from their parents so much they learn from their parents and and eating habits and what what kind of food we put in front of them and what kind of food we eat or we consume ourselves in front of them on the, on the on the dining room table um we um, it's so important that they understand um that it's important for them to eat things that are nutritious and to and to teach them that from from the littlest the littlest age possible when they can start taking in solid foods um, it's it's very very important uh, from that point on to teach them the right habits. <clears throat> Joel Griffin used to always call it reha- rehabbing our habits, um, but developing the right habits in front of our children, should, give, giving them an example of foods that we eat and that we think are so delicious, and and uh, <clears throat> train them from from little on up, and that will. And that, I believe, like from my experience, that sticks that sticks with them from from uh, from little on up up to the adult age, and they uh, the nates pass it on pass it on to their children. So I think it's uh, it's it's very important to understand that to to teach them to uh, to uh, eat and consume things that are good nutrition for them, um, and then. Uh, I also supplement it with with supplements, um, and I think that's very important. Also, is to is to take the right kind of supplements to supplement your food because you can't necessarily get every nutrient you need in in the food, so we we have to add supplements to it. So that's what I was thinking about when when you guys were talking. So back to you, yeah, Mary. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, pause one more time, Beth, Mary, and again, that teaching, teaching, teaching them from the time. My grandmother had a sixth grade education, but she had a master degree in spirituality. Remember I told you everything starts with thanks and ends with thanks. But when we started talking about A is for apple, my grandmama used to ask me, how do you get vitamin A? How do you get vitamin B? How do you get vitamin See, and then she started color coding things for us. The things that did have minerals had color in them. I knew yep. that an orange had vitamin C in it by the time I was three. What is vitamin C? I don't know, but it's good for you. Then ask them what what is that vitamin that you get from sunshine. Ask them, please ask them. Then ask some of the smartest people that you know in the world. How do you make water? Here's H two O, two parts hydrogen. One part oxygen. Okay, here's a tank of hydrogen. Here's a tank of oxygen. Oh, man, make me some water. We know what's in water, 
but not one person on the planet can make a drop of water. We can capture it from the atmosphere and kick it from the creek, but those are, there is a lesson in every blessing, and there's a blessing in every lesson to teach people what they say they didn't know. And, again, pay a part of being a nutritious coach for yourself. I heard Queen say the other night, have a heart-on-heart conversation with your heart. Talk to your kidneys and see if they like what you've been giving them. Talk to your stomach and see if your stomach is happy after you ate something that gave you gas. Just have those inner conversations. And, again, we're not just talking about children getting to make these choices. We're talking about children being a part of the choice that we know is best for them because we only want best for our children, but we're not as we was an old person as we thought as a child, we was a child. We're grown people now. We're parents now, and we have to make some decisions that they're not capable of making right now. Yeah, you know, the other thing I was going to mention was uh, the fact that uh, we, uh, our body, I believe our body has a natural healing ability that the good Lord has given us. And and uh, we we need to be aware uh, and conscious of the signals that, that our body gives us. And um, it's it's very important that we, we pay pay attention to that and that we teach our children that and, and, uh, Teach our brothers and sisters that also. I've, I've done a lot of that with my brothers and sisters. But it's it's very important that uh, we we do that and and, uh, and and teach them that so they can they can pass it on to other people, to their their children That's, and their families. Yeah, what you'll typically hear that sort of coined as right now in the phrasing that's really the the, the hot term, I guess, is called intuitive eating, where you're listening to your body and seeing what it is that your body wants um, and then following that or following your own personal hunger cues of, okay, this is when I'm hungry, therefore I'm going to eat. And um, you know, if you're brought up in a very strict household of when you're allowed to eat, when you're not, or you see it um, modeled that adults don't eat at certain times, that intuitiveness to listening to your body tends to get lost, and we do have to relearn that. So it is a very real thing to learn to listen. And um, mm-hmm. a lot of times I don't have people do um, not food allergy testing, but like food intolerance <laughs> testing um, usually isn't necessary because you can tell how your body feels after you eat certain things. So you just learn how to avoid those particular foods, right? Very different than an actual food allergy. Very, very different. Um, but it's important to learn to listen to your own body. And that is that is a connection that gets lost a lot of times as we move into adulthood uh, or it's something that we learn to ignore, which is not a good thing. Um, and I know somebody had mentioned supplements, and that's something I would certainly like to save for next week because there's so much to be said on supplements and the supplement industry. I agree. And I I do believe we're at an hour now, Mary. We are. Perfect segue. (laughs) So join us next week when we talk about supplements and how to use them correctly and which ones to use. And the food reward system and how 
we reward ourselves and children with food to fill that gap that we're missing or to get results that we want. Mary, can I give people, can I give everybody one quick word that they can take with them and do their own due diligence? Can I give everybody a word real fast? Sure, but you know, here's one word. You ready? Pronounce it oligo. O L I G O. That's all you need to know. O L I G O. The world, real word is oligo. O L I G O F R U C T O S E. It's a pronounced oligo fructose complex. But I'm going to stop right here. I want everybody to check the word out. O L I. We hope you found today's show insightful and empowering. Remember to follow us on social media and optimize my life for updates, additional resources, and to stay connected with our community. Join us back here tomorrow at 12 p.m. Eastern for another enriching episode as we continue our journey towards a more fulfilling and optimized life. Until then, take care, and remember to make each day count.